Good day, everybody. This is Adam Mauser. Welcome to Mishmash Men. To my right, immediate right, You're almost right. within arm's distance. It's is pretty, if we both put our arms out, we'd... There we go. There we go. Uh, that was awkward. Uh, but this is Mr. Dustin Labar. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back uh, to another episode of Mishmash Men. We're excited to have you. Uh, before we kick off on the episode, some housekeeping. Uh, one, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode that uh, Dusty presented on Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes. I thought it was great. Uh, a lot of good discussion um, and something you should watch out for when you are um, approached to it maybe might, sell something. Unless it's us, then just yeah. trust us. We're not going to do anything bad. Maybe we could do a Ponzi scheme with our shirts or uh, a pyramid scheme with our shirts. I think that's fine, yeah. Yeah, I think it's legit. So we'll get people to be like, buy our shirts, but then if you get people underneath you to buy our shirts, that's you're going to make better. more money. Okay. We'll make at least a penny. I'll bring it up to, uh, I'll bring it up to the higher-ups. There we go. So, um, and also before we get started, one of our chief, I would say sponsors, because they help us out quite a bit mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in space, is Charlie Mike Never Weaken Apparel. Mm -hmm. uh, they pr print all of our shirt needs uh, for the gym. Uh, for our like, podcast efforts, for our events that we do, uh, when we do CrossFit competitions. Um, uh, the owners are great. They bend over backwards, give us good quality product. In fact, Dusty has one on right now. Let me stand up so you can see me. And in case you haven't noticed in the news, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk are scheduled to um, fight each other in an MMA contest. Fight might be, a, I guess they'll get into some kind of physical altercation. Well, fight each other. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know if I would classify it as fighting. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But, but back to the shirts. Uh, Charlie, Mike, Never Weaken Apparel, great company. Uh, we know the owners, uh, great quality product. Love the shirts. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're great. And uh, so if you've got a small need for a shirt, you just need two or three printed for maybe uh, a large, like 15, uh, 15 of them for a family reunion, mm -hmm. uh, office party, um uh, event where you form in teams for uh, for a work event um they, they do it all yep they're a great company yeah all right so uh with that said let's get down to brass tacks um so the topic i have uh, well before i get to the topic the name naming of the topic uh dusty are do you think people in general mm -hmm. are independent minded or uh, are they conformists just in general <sighs> i would like to say in general, people are open-minded and kind of go by the beat of their own drum. But I think a large portion of people are, are conformed to something. Conforming. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair. Especially the past couple of years we saw, yeah. we saw a, a different dynamic than what I expected. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. Um, because that's human nature. Right. Um, so <clears throat> there was a, a, a psychologist, he was a research psychologist back in the sixties. Um, and he, his name was Dr. Stanley Milgram, and uh, he was from Yale, but he was doing these experiments. I can't remember if it was California. It didn't matter where. Mm -hmm. uh, he did them in several different places where he worked and over a period of years. They're called the Stanley Milgram Experiments. And what he set out to do was, like, research, like, you know, would people be conformists? Would, mm -hmm. they, would they stop? Uh, where, where is their threshold? Okay. His idea was to do this study in the U.S. as a control, mm -hmm. and then he was going to go to Germany, okay, and do the study over there. Never went to Germany, yeah, because he saw quite enough here, yeah, um, in the U.S. So anyway, this is the way the the study was set up. So he had uh, he advertised uh, in the area 
the local papers for a memory study and look for participants. And they were getting paid like four bucks okay. uh, to do this, and which is about $39 in today's money. And so he advertised, and then he would schedule these people. And what would show up would be two different people. Mm-hmm. Plus he had this guy um, called the experiment. I'm going to call him the experimenter. Okay. So the experimenter dressed in a lab coat. He was a guy giving instructions. Nobody saw Stanley Milgram until the end. And the experimenter would have uh, two slips of paper. Um, and he would offer to the two gentlemen that were in the room, or two ladies, um, the, uh, the slips of paper. Both slips of paper said teacher okay. on it. And the other person was, was actually an actor. Okay. And he would say, well, mine says learner. And so he would be the learner. So unbeknownst to the person that got the teacher mm-hmm. one and is now identified as teacher, uh, he was the only participant in that study. The other guy was a paid actor. Right. Experimenter was essentially an actor. Okay. And Stanley Milgram was the, uh, was the researcher. So what would they would do is they would take uh, both candidates over, teacher and learner, over into uh, this other room. And there was like a chair that looked like an electric chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a... Um, headset, microphone, and some buttons. Okay. Like one through four. And they would, uh, this part of this electrical chair, there was a there was a little uh, set of diodes or whatever, that they, or a set of electrodes that they would attach to uh, both of them. But the, the first guy would be teacher, this playing teacher. And he would get a little shock, and it was a real mild shock. It wasn't okay. even 15 volts. And uh, so he knew that, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then they okay. would take... Uh, learner, hook him up. Again, he's an actor. Then we'd take teacher around. So now he's in a separate room. Mm-hmm. Can't see him, but he can hear him. He's got headphones on. Okay. And um, what he had was this this panel, and there were buttons for however many questions they asked, ranging from 15 volts to 450 volts. Okay. And also across that board, there were, you know, mild shock, danger, uh, severe shock. Oh, boy. Okay. Printed across there to kind of convey what's going on. And so what teacher had to do, and remember this is the guy that's really under the study, but right. his rules were he's going to read a pair of words and the other guy has to, from his memory, remember something about those words and select one through four okay. out of the options and then push the button. And he kept getting more and more wrong. Gotcha. And every time with every succeeding question, the voltage would go up. Okay. <clears throat> And the guys, the, the teacher has already felt 15 volts so to know that it's real. So he yeah. can, he can kind of gauge of how much, how bad it's getting. Yes. Hypothetically. Gotcha. And he also, because they both have headphones and microphones, um, he hears the guy who's now just playing a tape recorder. Okay. He's not getting shocked. He's, he's not even acting. He's just playing a recording. He's Well, sometimes he would act. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, sometimes he just had a recording. Uh, he would say stuff like, ah, you know, that, that really hurts. We need to stop. Okay. Um, this... This can't continue. I, I might have a heart attack. And so the experimenter would, whenever the, all of the participants would always stop at some point, every one of them. Okay. And they would, you know, hey, he, he might be getting hurt back there. Right. And the experimenter, he would say one of four things. Please continue or please go on. Okay. Uh, the experiment requires that you continue. Okay. It is absolutely essential that you continue. And the last one was, you have no other choice. You must go on. And he would sit, that person would say those, like, 
the person may argue one time and he says the first one, it's a little bit easier yeah. and then it just kind of escalates. It would escalate. He wouldn't use all four of them every time. Gotcha. Not everybody went full bore, but a sizable proportion. I'll get to the numbers later. And, um, and so th- this would continue on. Um, and again, no, no severe tissue damage was, was happening. Right. That's what he would get told. And obviously the guy's not really getting shocked cause he's just back there. Just yeah. Pretending, you know, pretending yeah. doing crossword puzzles. And yeah, then he would yeah. say something. Gotcha. Um, so he believed he was actually teacher. The guy under the subject would believe he was actually administering these shocks, but he would continue. Um, so Stanley Milgram, and he, he did a survey amongst other psychologists before he even started his study and explained, because I'm sure he had to get funding on all that sort of thing. And so he took a survey, and like he had his own thoughts on it conformed to what the rest of the research psychology field and, and his peers, uh, they assumed about 1% to 3% would conform uh, to max voltage, and then, again, he was going to plan to do this for a control, statistical control, then go over to Germany. Because if you recall, this is the mid-60s this was going on. You know, World War II had just ended, and right. Nazi Germany had just run amok with their mass uh, formation psychosis, if you remember our discussion mm-hmm. several weeks ago about groupthink. Yep. So what do you think the number was of people that conformed? Like all the, the teachers that just continued to push the button so what do they can but can i ask this question what do they consider not conforming stopping immediately stopping like well stopping uh only one or two folks that i know of and again my i I don't have access to his actual his actual because i didn't do that much research unfortunately no no no, you're fine but um stopped immediately and it was like a a guy from the netherlands okay he just like this is wrong i shouldn't be doing this and he just stopped and walked out so probably once they realized that the guy could get hurt or, or, yeah. or hypothetically, the guy could get hurt. They Go, stopped immediately, no they, matter what that person said. Yes. Okay. And But then how many would continue on almost to the end? Yeah. Um, what was their initial thought? What did you say? One to three percent would conform. Like one to one to three percent of the population would go full bore, like the whole way. Yep. And then the rest would be varying degrees with most not doing it. Okay. So how many people at what percentage actually conformed? I guess if they thought one to three... I bet 50% conformed. Close. Okay. Uh, 65 to 70%, oh, depending so, on how you yeah. Okay. So over half. Yeah, over uh, half. Let's just say two-thirds of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just even though they objected. Um, and afterwards, there were severe, like these people would have like psychological distress, sure. not like permanently damaged. Yeah. But they were distressed because they would be interviewed after, afterwards by uh, a researcher, Stanley mm-hmm. Milgram. And they were, and they would also like kind of make excuses of why they continued. Right. Um, but, but keep in mind, this was literally a memory research thing. Right. No one's holding a gun to their head. Right. They could stop. They could just stop they and get up like stop. the one guy. Yeah. They would get paid no matter what happened. Okay. And they were told that repeatedly. Okay. The fact that you made it in here, you're going to get paid no matter if the experiment gets completed or not. Okay. So you, your money will happen. or You're, you're going to get paid. Interesting. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's, gosh, 65 to 70%. That's crazy. That's very shocking. I, I mean, I thought it would be over half, but but I didn't realize it would be, how, how many people did they do? Did, did it say how many? People I don't do? have that total number. Um, it's just, like, there's obviously varying degrees, you said. So, like, some people probably figured out, like, if the pain sound got worse, but they feel like they're being... 
there's like some kind of authority figure telling them they have to continue on. That's the, the authority figure. Um, and let me read this, this passage. It might take a little bit, uh, it, but it, it, it kind of explains. Um, so it says, the, this is Stanley Milgram, and he's summarizing the experiment in a 1974 article uh, called The Perils of Obedience. The legal and philosophic aspects of obedience are of enormous importance, but they say very little about how most people behave in concrete situations. I set up a simple experiment at Yale to test how much pain an ordinary citizen would inflict on another person simply because he was ordered to by an experimental scientist. Stark authority was pitted against the subject's, uh, the, the participant, strongest moral imperatives and against hurting others, and with the subject's ears ringing with the screams of the victims. Authority won more often than not. The extreme willingness of adults to go to almost any lengths on the command of an authority constitutes the chief finding of the study and the fact most urgently demanding explanation. Ordinary people simply doing their jobs and without any particular hostility on their part can become agents in a terrible, destructive process. Moreover, even when the destructive effects of their work become patently clear and they are asked to carry out actions incompatible with fundamental standards of morality, relatively few people have the resources needed to resist authority. That's his summary of his research. Yeah. I I have a question. Yeah. Did they plan on going to Germany because they thought the conformists would be less because of what happened during Nazi Germany? Did they think people were, it was so in recent memory that they may not conform, they would conform less than the Americans or was it just, because that happened in Germany, they were going to go there and just see what happened. Un- unknown, and okay. I think that's why he had that uh, that control of the U.S. population to say, okay, I'm going to go with this group because they're seemingly normal, and yeah. they are, the, especially back in the 60s, it was even more so, but um, the, the people that immigrated here mm-hmm. are different. When you look at, um, when you look at how uh, Canada and the U.S. and the immigrants uh, that populated the two nations, mm-hmm. and they're both both of their reactions at the same time uh, to increasing tariffs from UK. Okay, and one population is like, we're done. Yeah, enough with the taxes. We're going to war. You're you're taking our property. You're mm-hmm. trying to take our guns. Right. You're quartering troops in my house. That's it. We're yeah. done. Right, and we're going to go to war with the the greatest nation on the planet at right. the time. Right, right, right. And Canada just like they just kept on. Yeah, gotcha. not to badmouth Canada, but that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, the metric system back in the seventies, there was a big push to make everybody metric. Mm-hmm. Canada, like, yeah, Canada, let's go metric. We're all about it. U.S. is like, no, and it's not because strictly because of a rebellious nature. It's because of like the retooling. Because remember, World War II just ended. Uh, the U.S. was the uh, industrial powerhouse right. after World War II because everything else was decimated. So to retool everything in a metric system would have cost an inordinate amount of money. Right, right. And so uh, for that reason, and it's, you know, it, we're a lively bunch of people. Sure, yeah. Um, but apparently not as lively as what we think we are because that was proven out in the Stanley Milgram incident, uh, or experiment, rather. Um, a, cu- a couple other things. Does that answer your question? Yes, it okay. does, yeah. So a couple other things about that. Um, so some interpretation that, that Milgram and a couple others um, he says, based on Solomon uh, Ash experiments, describe the relationships of group reference and individuals. So that relationship between the group and an individual. Mm-hmm. And there was a, uh, Solomon Ash did these experiments, and that was actually the uh, mentor to Stanley Milgram. Okay. 
and he had this experiment where he'd bring like eight people in. Seven of them are actors. Okay. One of them was the true study participant. And uh, they were supposed to say, you know, which which of these lines on this piece of paper are longer. And oh, I saw this. I saw all this. seven of the actors would say one that was it was obviously the the incorrect one. And the guy would get that the participant would would say what they did right, right. to conform right because you don't want to be the only, you don't want to be the only person that sounds wrong or stupid in that in that that's a, a more of you afraid you're not going to sound intelligent right right don't you think yeah like and it's it's kind of like groupthink right yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah you're like I better just I better just go along with this I don't want to be contrarian yeah that's yeah. bad. So, Which um, is interesting because I think, the, like, United States specifically houses, like, the, some of the most contrarian people. In most cases, yeah. yeah right. But not in all. And that's, I'm, I'd, I'm, I'm interested in where that cut line is. Because, obviously, with this research, it shows, and there's a, something else here uh, that we'll talk about. Uh, it shows that, um, that there's a facade. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about that right now. So there's this agentic state theory and that's what an agent mm-hmm. agentic um that's what milgram proposes and it's it occurs when a person comes to view themselves as an instrument for carrying out another authority another person's interest and they're no longer responsible okay so if there is a someone that's perceived as an authority let's say i don't know um a medical officer for the state of alabama okay who holds no true authority of anything right he is no more of authority over me than you are of me. Right. Like, if you tell me, hey, I need you to, like, never wear shoes again, Adam. All right. We'll yeah. see how long that goes. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> I'm going to put on these shoes, and I'm going to walk around. Right. I might even tap dance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's going to make a little video, I bet. <laughs> if, if we could just get you somehow a video of you tap dancing, that would be unbelievable. Does I it, can't ex- tap does it exist? No, it oh, does okay. not. I, I cannot tap dance. Um, so that agentic state theory. And so... Um, it seems that there's a possibility that if someone portrays himself as an authority, then we willingly comply. Now, where that limit is, I don't know. Like, it might be something like the boiled frog, where it's just like this person easing, like, well, it's no big deal. Yeah. Just do this and don't worry about it. It's, it's the risk of you conforming is way lower than non-conforming. Right. Because um, they're not like, coming in and taking things from your house, right, 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 which right. that's, that's, that's very jarring. Right. That's a, that's a step increase in, um, you know, violence of action. Yeah. Um, so we talked about that Solomon Ash and some of the results of the Solomon Ash conformity bit was 5% always were swayed by the group. 5% were always swayed by the group. Okay. 25% defied majority always. So only okay. a quarter with the rest, about 75% conformed to some degree. So there's a spectrum. Of conformity. In that specific thing you're talking about, how could they conform to some degree? They would say the wrong line and then they'd be like. No, because it was like, it wasn't just one time he would ask. Because some of them, he'd be like, oh, I got you know, understand. I got eight. I understand. It wasn't just one question of one line. It was yeah. multiple questions where the, probably they were like, I'm not really sure on this one. Yeah, and there, mi- there might have been variation of when they started introducing the false, you know, when the actors would I say. Understand. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that was a Solomon Ash. So, um, which brings us to. Another experiment, but this one was wild and crazy. Uh, I heard, I read about this one uh, during quarantine. Okay, um, and it was the Stanford prison experiment. I know this one very well. Okay, I do what do you know one. about it? 
So I may know. Okay, I said very well. I've heard about it many times, and I've read about it. And there's a documentary on it. Um, so they were college students, correct? Not necessarily. Oh, it was it was college. open. I thought it was college students. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of college students because so, they get paid. To so do they this. had they brought people into a prison setting. Yeah, they gave the roles of prisoners and guards. Right. To you know, however they I don't know how they picked them. But it was so, it was totally randomized. Random. Okay, so yep. they randomly picked prisoners and and uh, and guards, and my brief understanding is that the guards so quickly took on the power role because they were in charge of these people, even though it was still an experiment. Yeah, that they almost assumed this role where they could do whatever they wanted to the prisoners because they were in charge of. I mean, hypothetically, they were in charge, but it was an experiment. But they legitimately took on the role of like an oppressor. Right. Yeah. A, a thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. That's right. Did you hear that? One thousand percent. So, uh, so, so briefly the numbers, male participants, all male, uh, in that prison, it was in a basement at Stanford. Okay. Uh, randomly assigned, just like you said, it was planned for two weeks. Okay. It was supposed to be this oh, experiment right. for that's two right. weeks. Yeah. It lasted six days yeah, yeah, yeah. before someone finally came in like, Hey, you can't be beaten. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Yeah. What in the world is going on here? Um, there was abusive and dehumanizing behavior. There was psychological distress. Um, all participants internalize the roles, uh, especially the guards and authority, and including the uh, researcher in the study. Um, I forget his name. Um, I thought I wrote it down, but anyway, he he was playing the part of the superintendent of the prison, right? And even he was getting too much into the role and was right. being abusive. Oh, here it is. Zimbardo. Philip Zimbardo. That sounds like an impressive guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and observers and researchers. So you had this population of um, of men that were uh, playing parts of guards and prisoners. Mm-hmm. You had the superintendent. And then you had these other people that were researchers and observers. Even they were oppressing and abusing the prisoner population. Right. Everybody in there knew. Like, they all knew that this was just a study to see how like prison environment and how people are treated uh, and how they, um, you know, the popu- the prison population life. What's that like for a human? Right, right, right. They knew it was fake. But they still. And they still devolved, kind of like Lord of Flies. They just kind of devolved yeah. into this melee that had to be stopped. An outside observer uh, finally just pulled the plug and said, this needs to stop. There's something di- also different about, like, power when somebody gets power, like, that feeling of like, and especially when there's more people. So all of you have power all of a sudden now you're yeah. going to band together and be like, it's group think and this weird thing where you've assumed power over somebody. Right. So that's like a lot. That's very, um, it's a complex situation. The, um, something I was going to read on related to that. No, I missed it. That's okay. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to summarize both of these studies, um, and what we can kind of get out of them. Because, uh, again, this was a cursory look. This is my cursory look at them. And um, not exhaustive. Otherwise, I would have read their studies. But, yeah. you know, I have a day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people would conform. They would obey to an authority figure, even in spite of their principles and their morals and any ethics that they right. might have had. They would just still just do it. And kind of like the Stanley Milgram. These people knew in their mind they were harming someone. right on a memory test. Right, right. There's like where there's no reason for it. Right. And yeah. and some guy in a lab coat. 
Like they literally picked a guy and put him in a gray lab coat yeah. to make him look like this authority figure. And all he was using was words. He wasn't like, you know, holding them down, like push the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it just, the please, the experiment must continue. Yeah. I had an interesting thought. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, 75% of these people or 70% of these people in that experiment conformed, but they put out a request or something in a newspaper asking for people to be part of an experiment. Is that assuming how they did it? Uh, for Milgram's? Yes. Well, both of them, they put out ads, but yeah, but for a memory test. Okay, but but what I'm asking is, if I saw, if I saw in, a, in the paper that there's a come in for a test or a, to be a part of an experiment, I may not do it. I probably wouldn't do it. So what I'm saying is, are the people that are signing up for this experiment, are they inherently, like somebody that would sign up for an experiment, are they inherently more willing to conform than somebody that... Potentially. It's hard to control for that. Yeah, I don't know. I was just asking. And um, so it's interesting. Um, the There was a lot of repercussions for Milgram's and especially the Stanford Prison Experiment. Sure. Yeah. A lot in the in the research psychology world, a lot of changes from that point on. And now it's to the point now where they really can't even do good research. Yeah. The people that were raising objective, objections to Stanley Milgram, because he presented his you know, his results yeah. to these boards and stuff. And then and the people that were funding him. And when he started writing his papers, he's presenting things to peers. And they were like, you know, you, you should have told the people what they were getting into. And right. he's like, but if I told them, look, I'm going to give you a memory test, but really you're the one that's a subject to see if you would conform to my, my guy in a gray lab coat. Right. Well, of course he would stop. Yeah. I'm yeah. okay. Well, I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you have to have some. You have to go in there. It has to be blind. Yes, correct. It has to be blind. Yeah, and um, and so there's a certain mask that has to happen in order for that kind of research. Um, in the case of that Stanford one, it should show. It should serve as a cautionary tale to any researcher that very quickly, like if you don't have controls in there to arrest that kind of stop to stop that kind of yeah. behavior, uh, that people clearly are, are willing to do that once they once they realize well this you know this person behind me they're the ones that are really telling me what to do and I have to do this because that's what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. they they try to remove any responsibility they have um, from uh, you know for any objections that they would have on moral grounds right like this guy knew each one of these the men and women in the Milgram experiment knew in their minds again that they were harming someone yeah but they just continued on just because the guy kept saying go. The guys in the Stanley Milgram or the uh, the prison one, um, they all knew what they were dared to do. Mm-hmm. And yet they still, well, we're here to do this job. So I have to immerse myself in this role. Right. Yeah. I have two things to ask about. Yeah, go ahead. Unless you have more and then I can ask. I've got you. some more stuff, but go no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go. You go. I'll have to um, so participants quickly internalize roles, both of them. They internalize yeah. the role and they just ran with it. Right. Uh, diminished sense of responsibility. So once they put on that role, I'm not responsible really for my actions. Right. And in fact, you have to, you are ultimately responsible for every action or inaction that you uh, take or fail to take. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, now in these cases, is research and nobody was hurt. Well, except for the some Stanford fam- one. Yeah, it sounds pretty rough. Yeah, except for some prisoners. Um, the power of situational factors kind of swayed the participants. So those external factors sway and and you can shoehorn people into this. Right. Like if you have this set of rules that, Hey, this authority said we have to do this or mm-hmm. you, you're not going to be able to work here anymore, Adam, unless this happens. Right. Um, then like, well, that, that's what they said. Right. Like, 
What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the potential for abusive behavior is always there. Right. It's always there. And in the psychological stress and conflict within the participants. So they all wrestle with that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what was your... Uh, so now I have three things to talk about. All right. The first is, I mean, Nazi Germany probably is the biggest example of that. Because it is. Because pe- I'm not trying to be dumb or anything, but like the biggest problem was people like neighbors were rounding up Jews and giving them to people. Yeah. So it was like this, they had this authority figure that they trusted and he was telling them to do this. And obviously these people had fear of repercussion as well. Yeah. Cause if you're harboring or if you know of any, or if you're doing this, you're just as liable as, you know, so they were rounding them up. So that's like, you know, that's like a huge, uh, a perfect example of that right there. There's an authority figure. Mm-hmm. There's also a fear that you're going to be in trouble, but also there's like some, you know, this authority figure is telling, this is the downfall of our country. Right. We need to get them, get them. And so people just did it. Um, and it didn't take much. Not, not as much as you would hope. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, I mean, he pretty much just was like, I mean, at that point he was uniting a fallen Germany and telling people like, this is why our country, this is how our country is going to be great. And I'm yeah. going to lead you there and we need to get rid of this. And um, the other thought, so there's a story that I heard about. I'm going to get a lot of the details wrong. So I'm not even going to mention details. I'm going to give you the general view of it because it's, there's a conspiracy to it. So there was five or six FBI agents and they had thought this guy was a, a this young kid could possibly be a terrorist. Uh-huh. Turns out he wasn't really a terrorist. But so there's six undercover FBI agents, this one kid, and they're all part of a group. Yeah. So they talked. Was this, this recent? Yes. They talked okay. this kid into setting a bomb. Yeah. They like forced him and then they arrested him when he set the fake right. bomb. That's entrapment. So he was not going to do it. Yeah. He was like, I don't really want to do it. And they were like, no, we got, we definitely have to do it. And they, so they talked him into doing it. Um, which is like, he knew he, he could feel that that was wrong, but obviously these people are posing as like his friends or like part of his crew or whatever they were posing as. And then eventually talked him into doing something that he would not have. I can't say of his own devices. He wouldn't yeah, have done. I, I can't speak for him, but it seemed like surely he was not going to do it on his own. Right. He needed to push. Uh, the other thing, um, I don't know how this ties in exactly, but like the agent provocateurs thing. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. So like. False flags. Yeah. So like, for instance, if you're in a, a riot and it's peaceful or not a riot, I should say if you're in a protest and it's peaceful, that somebody with the intention to make it not peaceful so they can shut it down will incite some kind of violent act. And then everybody in the crowd is like, well, oh yeah, that's what we were waiting for. And then all of a sudden it turns to this ugly thing, yeah. which is kind of a similar situation. Cause it all, it like that spark happened, but that person did it on purpose. Yeah. They, it doesn't, they, it they, doesn't take much. They read the, they read the, the anger or the intensity of the crowd and all it take was that little spark, but that wouldn't have inherently happened had somebody not like kicked it off. Right. Does that make sense? Those are the two things that popped in my head. So it's interesting you brought that up because that's, um, Somebody that, let's say, studies, let's say uh, a tyrannical government. Um, This material is out there for anybody to read. Yeah, anybody. And some of, you know, a tyrannical government might even sponsor that kind of study because they want to see what people's breaking points are. They want to see how they can manipulate people because a tyrannical government, that's what they do. They need to retain power. And they need everybody buying in. Mm -hmm. So how do you manipulate a group of people to do things? Well, you can see it's pretty easy. Yeah, you can definitely do it. Uh, with our discussion on a group think, um, when our discussion on on the biases, mm-hmm. uh, on critical thinking, all those things are kind of of a of a theme. 
Mm-hmm. And then you throw in this kind of research about um, all you need is a, a perceived authority mm-hmm. to get people to do things that they wouldn't normally do, but they are now able to resolve that conflict that they would normally have mm-hmm. because the authority told me to do this. Right. And so I now I have license to go do whatever it is he asked me to do. I don't have to answer to my conscience. Mm-hmm. I don't have to answer to uh, my morals. And if those aren't grounded heavily in something that is transcendent, people will crumble. So that's why tyrannical governments, they don't like transcendent uh, themed religions. That, ma- that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, my hope and my thought is that when you have a situation where a government can totally do this is try to f- use the people as like this group think mentality to get the people that don't conform to conform basically, or f- suffer retribution or, you know, whatever. But if you have a big and strong enough group of people that aren't going to conform for whatever reason, and they, for all intents and purposes, they win, they win. Then mm-hmm. if it was 50, 50, now I think this, the tide sways because it's part of that 50 that was listening to the, the figure of authority may see it towards the, these guys side because more, it gives more time for data to come out. It gives more time for more information to come out. It may not be all of them. It's not going to be all of them, no, it won't but be. all of a sudden it goes from 50, 50 to 60, 40. And the group that was, was pushing back against authority is now bigger. And that's kind of my, my hope in those situations is that if it fails, you know, there's certain things recently that I think failed. Like, you know, you know what I mean? And, and that group, now it's going to be harder to, to oppress people or make them do what you want them to do as easily. Yeah. So, um, that was about as vague as I could be without saying things, if that makes sense. It, so if you have, let's say a near miss, the, the authorities tried to do X and, and it didn't work out the way they intended. Right. Um, and it didn't go as far to, to break the people beyond a certain point where then they, they can exert more control. And now you funnel people because the, the more power you get, the, the less of the facade that you have to put up mm-hmm. and the more buy-in you get from people because right. you've got this now cachet. But let's say there was a miss and um, enough information got out, uh, you know, lack of information, mm-hmm. um, people will perish. They will continue to do these things like what we just read about here. Right. Um, but if there was a near miss and it, like you've alerted, you've caught people right. unawares the first time, but then now it happened and you didn't get to that break point, mm-hmm. that event horizon, then by all means, I think now people are alert. There are more people alerted now right. to the dangers of um, unnecessary and completely ineffective mm-hmm. quarantining right. and mask use. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. In fact, mask use is not only ineffective, it's effective. It, it's harming you. Yeah. And that's proven over and over again. Right. So, so now people are like, well, wait a minute. If the authority says to do this and they've got real no authority to do so. Right. Then now I'm not going to yeah, do that. That's kind of what I was getting at. It's like, yeah. and I think you had people on the fence and maybe didn't care, not, not care, but maybe didn't have a really strong opinion like either way. But now all of a sudden they're like, well, that was close. I'm glad I, I'm glad there yeah. was information out there. Now I'm, I'm on, I mean, I'm on this side of things, you know, you, you, you didn't have a side and then you kind of wait and let information come out. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, now I'm with these guys. Now, yeah. now it can't be, I woke up, I woke up. Yeah. I was kind yeah. of just being like, cause I heard a lot of people and me included. I was like, I don't, I mean, I was like, I'm not, you don't have to make me do anything, but I, I could, you know, see whatever. Then all of a sudden you're like, hold on a minute. Yeah. This does something seems fishy here. It seems real fishy. And then, uh, but I think that's why we're in this country. That's, 
that there are people like that that are going to, it's, people should question pretty much everything. Should question authority. I I mean, you should absolutely do it. Even if it's, even if you can be wrong, you're allowed to be wrong. You could be wrong, but it's okay to do it. That's within our right to question it. We're absolutely allowed to question it. It is. And this country is all about the rights of the individual. Right. Um, once you have a you know an authority or the savior of the nation starts mm-hmm. talking about well it's for the the greater good that we do X yeah automatically my antenna are up I'm like okay well I don't believe anything he says now yeah I just saw uh, maybe did you send it to me I don't know perhaps but, but it was I think you might have sent it to me it was Jimmy like it was it was this long thing and at the end Jimmy Kimmel's doing a joke during oh the COVID yeah yeah I did send that he, to you and he's like you know. Oh, you're vaccinated and you're having a heart attack in the in emergency room? Come right in. And then he's like, oh, you're not vaccinated and having a heart? Good luck, sneezy. And like, yeah. I mean, that is so bananas. Like somebody should, like Elon Musk should beat the crap out of that guy. Well, in my opinion. At, you, you know, like who, what motivated the uh, the Hollywood industry to, to jump on that bandwagon? The entertainment industry, rather, not Hollywood. Um, I, I have no idea, but it something motivated them and, and it, what might... It might have been just of their own accord, or it might have yeah. been some kind of uh, financial gain. I, but it just seemed fishy that that many celebrities were that enthusiastic about the average person getting a vaccine. I have a theory about that specifically, and it's um, surely some of it's money driven. Sure, but the other part of it is even right now, like with um, I hate even using the word, but like woke culture, mm-hmm. like people can't be woke enough is like a thing that people say. Yeah, but it's like you get street cred like people you like get more famous if you say a certain thing right whether you believe it or not you say it because you think you're going to get applause and cheers and people are going to love you and it makes sense in a career where you need people to love you to like to keep yourself moving that you almost just say whatever you think the larger group wants you to say so that you can get people to love you because those actors in hollywood they're they're vain they want people to love them sure i mean it makes total sense to me but do you care what Jimmy Kimmel's I mean, has to say about that? Even if he was like, like I, I honestly don't care what you have to say. You're not a doctor. Yeah. You don't have any medical information and no authority. You don't. You I mean you couldn't tell me to do either thing if I didn't want to. Right. And but these people all of a sudden think because they have a platform they should um, get. And, and that's the thing. If people love Jimmy Kimmel, they're going to listen to him. But he doesn't know anything about anything. No. I mean, well, his track record's not great. Yeah, well, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, he he's he's a funny man. Tells funny jokes. Yeah, that's he, the end. I mean, did, but he was also fighting a battle because people were like, hey, did y'all see this video of Jimmy Kimmel in blackface 10 yeah. years ago? And uh, so he was had to fight that battle too, where he apologized 10 years later. But he's still around yeah. telling his jokes. Well, because he gets to, you know. Yeah, he, that's he can, because he's got the right opinions on other subjects. Yeah, so, but I mean, that is a real thing, man. Like you hear people talk and some of the stuff they say, you're like, there's no way you believe that. You don't believe everything you just said. You're just saying it because you want people to be like, how brave of you to, to, to right. think that way. Again, that's a form of group thing. Yeah, 100%. You're yeah. like, and not wanting to rock the boat and to be accepted. Yeah, and to, you know, that and that's particular thing. You, you, they need people to love them. Yeah. So it's like, they'll say pretty much whatever they want, even if it's, and a lot of times they sound so stupid. It's, it makes you like them less because you're like, God, you sound like a dummy. And But we're all... We can all fall prey to that. For sure. Of like, well, if I say this, then I might be perceived as this nut job. Right. Um, and so people, like every, everybody falls prey to that. We, we all have this human condition. And that's the whole point of me talking about this today. It could be any one of us. Yeah. It could be any because we can all fall prey to this uh, obedience mindset mm-hmm. and uh, this, uh, you know, 
doing what the authority says and kind of unshackling yourself from your own morals or what you know is right mm -hmm. and doing the same because this guy behind me said, I got to do this. Yep. We can all do that. Yep. So any, uh, any closing thoughts, anything else you want to, um, I love talking about this. I had heard of the Milgram experiment before, but I wasn't like, I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew that there was like some kind of electrical shock yeah. component to it and people like conforming to authority or doing, I mean, I, I like, it's very interesting. A lot of stuff has happened recently in the past hundred and also the past hundred years that you're like, I mean, it's not like you're just, um, oh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. Like we you definitely have to, you, worry you about definitely it. have to worry about it. And, um, I was going to comment like you're, you know, you're a lot of times people are afraid that if you say something, you're going to get ridiculed or it's not with the group. Like one of the things I talk about all the times is, and, and it made me think of it cause it's right there, but I, I'm like a big time alien dude. Like I like extraterrestrial guy. And I talk about it to anybody. I don't care if you believe it or not. Right. People think I'm stupid, but I, I find it very interesting either way. And it may not go along with what some people think or what other people think, but that's like one of the things that I'm like conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. I find it very fascinating. It's okay to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay to talk about it. Even if people don't, we don't have to agree on everything. No. Um, but you know, it is the most intelligent people that the most intelligent people and the people that are revered throughout history were always people that questioned stuff or thought of different things or, or, or went against the grain or like you used like us fighting against the British right. earlier. Or, you know, there's a lot of that went against the grain, literally went against the grain to do something different in those, in the, you know, you don't have to be always argue everything, but you should at least be aware of things, be aware of things, yeah, be aware, be aware of, of the tendency to yeah. do all these things that we've, right. we've uh, been warning everyone about. So it's just a, a good reminder. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. I hope you all did the listener, um, and that, uh, you got something out of it. I'd enjoy your feedback mm -hmm. uh, on this particular episode. We might do something along the lines in the future. Uh, and I wanted to talk to Dusty about it and we'll develop this a little bit more, but uh, about the role of propaganda, because that's a tool mm. to do all these things that we've been talking about. I would love to do an episode on propaganda. And it might be one that we both research and we just kind of come together and just bounce um, so I, th I think that's a, that's a one you heard it here for, for first folks. You heard it here first folks. That yeah. was a hard one. That is alliteration kind of bedazzles me sometimes. I, I love that though. That's a great idea. We yeah. should definitely do that. Uh, so if that is it, which I think it is, we will uh, see you next week on mishmash men. And, uh, I look forward to your comments and we look forward to hearing more from you, the listener stay fresh cheese bags. Stay fresh. <laughs>